0: This is The Edge with Jonathan Von Toble and Matt Humans on VCEN, the sports betting network.
4: What up, folks? Welcome in. It's another episode of The Edge here on VCEN, the sports betting network. Got a good show on tap for you today. Coming up, what, 15, 30 minutes from now, Chris the Bear Felica will be with us, of course, college game day, co host of the Stanford and Steve in the Bear podcast. Get his thoughts on our next team we unveil in the Edge Top 40. An intriguing team, nonetheless, in the Big 12, I'm not going to give it away, but in the Big 12, nonetheless. We'll talk about that coming up at 30, actually 15-2. But we begin with the National Football League because I've got to tell you, man, the more and more I look into this, man, the more – and look, I have a, quite a few futures bets out there. The more I'm getting nervous and biting the teeth and grinding the teeth about uh, Trey Lance and the San Francisco 49ers. What's your futures bet? Under 10 for the San Francisco 49ers.
5: Well, you know, it is uh, a tough division, and I think if Trey Lance has – a really successful season, like uh, I expect. I was talking with Mike Pritchard before he left the studio. I was there. Uh, I think he likes Trey Lance, too. He and I both like Jalen Hurts a lot. You're going to find a lot of Jalen Hurts critics out there, too, a lot of skeptics. But I, even if uh, Lance has a really successful year, I think if the 49ers go 10-7, and 7, they have to feel great about that. That's a It's a tough schedule, tough division. doesn't start off the toughest way. At Chicago, where the 49ers are seven-point favorites now at most spots, In that week one game. But Trey Lance has thrown a total JVT of 101 passes in game action the past two years. Mm -hmm. So I think to ask him to step in and set the world on fire and do it for 17 weeks is probably asking a little bit too much. I watched, went back and watched uh, uh, some more tape of that game. And uh, Trey Lance has, he's, you know, and I read some practice reports too. He's got a ways to go with uh, passing accuracy. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he still tries to fire every pass like a rocket. And I think that, you know, in time, like I said, with only 101 passes in the last two years, that's something that uh, he's going to work on, that he's going to work out throughout the season. So he's going to have some growing pains. There's no question about it. I would not bet him to win MVP, but I think the Niners are capable of winning that division and capable of winning 10 or 11 games. But if I were you, I would not sweat too much because. That's a, that's a tough division, and to win 11 in the NFC West is not right. going to be easy, even for the Rams. So to your point, too, if you look at it like just, and again, I always say this before I cite them, but it is one site's
4: grading. But PFF's passer mm-hmm. grade, right, of the three quarterbacks that I played for San Francisco the other day, he actually had the lowest passing grade.
5: Well, so only it was a short, five passes. Right. It was, it was a short sample
4: five, size. Right. Yeah. Uh, but one would think if you would complete a bomb like that and you go four or five, you're like, that should be high. But they take into a lot of account everything. So to your point, kind of the fine tuning of the mechanics as a passer, it over a larger sample size, those mistakes are gonna play out a little bit more. You said he's not gonna come out and set the world on fire. What about taking the league by storm? Is that less than setting <laughs> the world on fire? Is that is that's, that a step down?
5: <laughs> that's uh those are Lewis Reddick's words. ESPN analyst, former NFL executive. By the way, last year, Rams won 12, Cardinals won 11, and Niners won 10. I think you're going to see the Cardinals take a step back and the Rams as well, but uh, 10 wins might be enough to win that division. You could might. have a log, log jam at the top. Uh, let's let's hear from Lewis Riddick, who's got really high hopes for Trey Lance in his second season, his first season as a full-time starter.
6: I said earlier in the offseason, he is my long-shot MVP candidate, my long shot MVP type winner. I think here going into his second year, if the trend can continue to go up in the manner in which it is from OTAs to mini camps to early training camp to preseason games to now throughout the early part of the season, if that trend can continue to rise, the people around him stay healthy, we know that Kyle Shanahan is going to do his part as far as putting him in the best possible situations to succeed. Because he has a lot invested in this young man for what he gave up in draft capital to get him. Trey Lance has the character and he has the athletic ability and he has the quarterbacking ability to take this league by storm in a manner in which we haven't seen since, should I say, 2017, 18, right around the time Patrick Mahomes burst onto the scene. I feel like if you're
4: going to use the phrase – we haven't seen since it should probably be a little bit longer than five years, but still, you know <laughs> what I mean? I, well, I get where he's coming from.
5: Okay, so Patrick Mahomes did take the league by storm. He did. So, yeah, yeah. He, I, did. he set the world he on fire, too, I would say, he with did. 50 touchdown He passes. did both. He did both, but he's only won one Super Bowl. That's very true. Yeah, uh, It's a hard thing to do. Lamar Jackson has yet to win a Super Bowl. I think Jackson was the MVP in 2019, and uh, when, I, when I watch Trey Lance right now, I, I see a little bit of Josh Allen in him. He's got great arm strength and he's a, he can stand tall in the pocket. He can also get out of the pocket, make guys miss, and run the ball. And Josh Allen does that too. I also see a lot of Lamar Jackson in uh, Trey Lance. So, when I'm talking about Lamar Jackson, what I see is a passer who needs to be a lot more accurate. Obviously, he's got the athletic ability similar to Jackson, but he's got to be more accurate as a passer. Last season, 71 attempts. He completed 57.7%, five TDs, two interceptions. He looked okay. Uh, when he was in there last year, uh, I thought he looked uh, better, more poised in the pocket in his first preseason game. It Was only a brief appearance. He's like I said, four for five, ninety-two yards with a seventy-six-yard TD pass. It was a thirty-yard strike through the air, right on the button. So it was a uh, it was a great pass, but you don't want to make too much of one pass in one preseason game. It's not a playoff game. You're facing vanilla defenses, but when when you analyze quarterbacks, what you're looking for is the athletic ability. Uh, the guy who's got the intelligence to read defenses, he's got all that. He, he can be a really successful quarterback, and he's got the right support system, too. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, I didn't think did a very good job calling plays in that start. You and I it's talked about Cardinals this last start, yeah. year. In a start against the Cardinals in Arizona, Shanahan, I thought his play calling was pretty poor, especially in the second half of the game. They
4: all had 49ers. What, were they plus five in that
5: game or something like that? They blew it. Yeah, yeah. they blew it. I'm still bitter Kyle about it. Kyle Duschick, yeah.
4: fullback dive up the middle on a fourth and one and a half. <laughs> <laughs> never forget. Never forget. But
5: you got Debo Samuel that you can use as a wide receiver running back, George Kittle, and it's more weapons in that offense. You got talented running backs and a pretty good offensive line. So I think he's got everything he needs to be successful. I would not bet him to win MVP. I wrote about this in the Point Spread Weekly column that's going to be out tomorrow. Circa's got 14 to one on Trey Lance. That's not a long shot. The Westgate Superbook's got thirty to one on Trey Lance. I wouldn't even take thirty to one. I, I think that's a little bit of a stretch. There's way too many other good candidates. Even if he has a great year, thirty to one's not worth it for me. I'd have to have fifty to one or higher to think about it.
4: So here's my pro Trey Lance angle from mm-hmm. a future standpoint. I actually talked about this on Sunday, and would love to get your thoughts on it. So taking in everything that we know about Lance, and like you talked about, passing over a larger sample size probably has to be refined a little bit more. And Trey Lance is thinking back on it under Kyle Shanahan, both as offensive coordinator and as a head coach, probably the most athletic quarterback he's had outside Mm -hmm. of, I think was he under Johnny Manziel under him? I think at one point when he was coordinator for the Browns way back when, whatever it is, um, his rushing prop for the season Matt is Ryan. 500 and a half. Yeah, Matt Ryan, that's a good point. Uh, I saw him running sprints in a Colts video the other day. I was like, man, wow, that guy's fluid. I watched the Colts-Bills <laughs> game last night. So, you, right? You're going to get me off. We'll talk about that in a second. So, season-long rushing prop, 500 and a half. If he's going to have a successful year, if he's mm-hmm. going to take the league by storm or be a Dark Horse MVP candidate, my thought would be, that he's going to surpass 500 yards rushing, or if they're just going to have a successful season, whether that's like 9, 10, 11 wins, his athleticism is going to be a really big part of it. And I went a little bit further. If you go back to last year, and we threw up some of the numbers, right? his six games that he played, and those are the passing numbers, 34% of his snaps on the field, Matt, ended in a rushing attempt, whether it was a scramble or Mm -hmm. a designed run. That's probably going to be a big part of their offense. Him having over 500 and a half rushing yards, I would think is something that is very viable for the season.
5: Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with that. Uh, at the same time, Kyle Shanahan's probably trying to teach him uh, not to think run when he gets in trouble. Well, that's what I mean, designed runs, right? right I right. think
4: when they're using his it athleticism, it'd be designed runs, i.e. like Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen at times.
5: And you got to be a little bit careful with that, too. I'm not crazy about that aspect of it in the NFL because you can get your head taken off if you run too much. If you go back and watch that Bills-Chiefs playoff game, it was insane how much the yeah. Bills ran Josh Allen in that game. Yeah. You can't do that on a weekly basis in the NFL and survive. Physically, so, uh, no, I don't I don't disagree with your angle there. I just, uh, I, I think if uh, you like the 49ers, maybe bet them at 150 to win the division. Yeah. There's a way to look at it, too. Yeah. By That's the way, a, it, there's different ways to look at it. That's one thing. I, I really think the door is more than cracked open for the 49ers because Matthew Stafford's got this elbow issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rams off a Super Bowl win, going to lose their edge a little bit. And uh, don't forget the separation between these teams was razor, razor thin a year ago. And then the Niners are going to be a hungry team here. So I think plus fit, 150 to win the division might be a, a good bet on San Francisco. Hopefully they win it at 9-8. and eight. Or 10-7. and seven. You, you know, get a push. I kind of want I, more money. I know. You, you want to win. <laughs> All right, really You quick. always want to win, not to push. But, um, You've
4: brought up something, so we'll get to Matt Ryan mm-hmm. in a couple of minutes. But I know you wanted to go Steelers here.
5: Yes. Let's do it. Uh, a lot of people banging on Mitch Trubisky and uh, – criticizing the guy who's expected to be the Steelers starting quarterback. Yeah. We have some uh, evidence that Mitch Trubisky is a lot better than people think. Okay. Present this to everybody then because I, you sent this over and I was actually amazed by
4: this. And this is totally a skill that is uh, controlled by a quarterback. Absolutely.
5: Uh, okay, let's do it. We have a quiz question here. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've, we've also got a tweet to back it up that uh, shows you the greatness of Mitch Trubisky. Name the only two quarterbacks to throw for six touchdowns in a game the last five NFL seasons. JVT, you're on the clock. You got ten seconds. Oh, I've got. I've got. I was about to curse. I've got no idea. It's not Mitch Trubisky, is it? Is he one of them? Huh? Here we go. Okay, seven. Okay, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, nothing, two, one. Mitch Trubisky is the other one. He threw for How six touchdowns oh, in yeah. a game. Yeah. Oh yeah, he did. Uh, week four against Tampa Bay in 2018. Patrick Mahomes and Mitchell Trubisky, the only two quarterbacks to throw for six TDs in a game in the last five NFL seasons. How about that? I had no idea, and I did not realize. I forgot that this was
4: also one of the uh, trivia questions because I know you had another one. I had no idea. That was the height of Mitch Trubisky.
5: Mitch Trubisky. He's got more ability than people think. How about this? This is from NFL on CBS. Nearly 200 quarterbacks have started 50-plus games in the NFL since 1950. Only one Only one of those quarterbacks has never thrown a pick six in his career. Who would it be? Mitchell Trubisky. That's right. Mitch Trubisky. How about that? Take that, Kenny Pickett fans. Okay, there you go. Kenny Pickett, 13 of 15. You can stick that
4: where the sun don't shine. Who cares? (laughs) Mitchell Trubisky, the quarterback of the future for the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, we'll come back. We have plenty left to get to. Maybe we'll get Matt's thoughts on Matt Ryan, the athlete. Uh, But more importantly, we continue to unveil the teams in our Edge Top Forty.
7: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
8: This is The Edge on vSEN, the sports betting network.
5: All right, the v College Football Guide is out now, and our NFL Guide drops next week. Wow. I stood up all night working on a JBT. How about you? I woke up super early to work on it. How about that? Yeah. All right, around the clock. since 345, baby. Profiles of every team, win total recommendations, division finishes, and a lot more. Remember, the only way to get access to this year's football betting guides is to become a V-CIN All Access subscriber. Sign up on our discounted football special and get all access to everything we do now all the way through the Super Bowl for only $175, or save 50% off the monthly price with an annual subscription. And bet smarter all year long. Go to vcin.com slash subscribe.
4: Love it. Absolutely love it. So let's, um, let's build a little bit on what we're talking about here with Mitchell Trubisky and the Pittsburgh Steelers. By the way, report now. Mason Rudolph taking reps with the twos. That's right. Sit down. Because it's Mitchell Trubisky's job, baby. Pittsburgh Steelers get the Jacksonville Jaguars and a raucous crowd who Mm -hmm. had an absolutely fantastic chant for Deshaun Watson over the weekend. Loved it. What do you make of Pittsburgh coming into this week against Jacksonville? And uh, a very successful showing by pretty much all three quarterbacks in a preseason setting against Seattle.
5: Well, I bet against, uh, well, I bet on the Jaguars last week against the Browns Mm -hmm. and uh, I thought I had the right angle on that game. I really felt like the the hype around Deshaun Watson was misguided that he was not going to do much in that game. It is weird that starters
4: move the market as much as they do when we know the samples. Like it's going to be like two drives, maybe a quarter, but even then, a quarter could just be two drives. Right?
5: It, it could be three points. Right. Yeah. Maybe he leads a field goal drive. Whatever it is, uh, that that line moved three points when it looked like uh, it became apparent Deshaun Watson was going to start the game. I said, well. I don't have high expectations for Watson in this game. He's going to be rusty. I think he's going to play two series, maybe three. He ended up playing three. He was he passed for seven yards. It was terrible. And they went three and out, I think, in all three series. Didn't get a first down. So from that aspect, I was right. Uh, I got the bet wrong because the Jaguars, uh, after taking an early lead, got blown out mm-hmm. in the game. And when you bet the Jaguars, bad things tend to happen. Uh, this week, they're three-and-a-half-point favorites. Ah, uh, Trevor Lawrence, I think is going to play again this week. Doug Peterson's got to get this. Uh, he's got to get this team's act together because uh, you know you and I've talked about the worst team in the NFL the last two years. They come out strong last week and still lose by double digits. And uh, you can say, well, it's it's the preseason. The Jaguars need to start winning, winning something. And uh, this week, the Steelers. Three-and-a-half-point dogs looks like a little bit too much to me. I actually kind of like the Steelers quarterback situation with Mason Rudolph, who might be auditioning for a job. There's a, There are reports mm-hmm. that the Lions are interested in trading for him. And then Kenny Pickett, who was 13-for-15 against backups last week. Chuck Esposito, the Red Rock sportsbook director, who's going to be on the show with us yesterday. I think he's going to join us later in the week. Better. He said one thing uh, that he took away from week one is he thought, quote, a lot of people got too carried away with Kenny Pickett. He in that
4: he was successful against third-string Yeah, defense? and as we said, yeah. he,
5: he was basically putting up those numbers in the game okay. uh, against uh, third- and fourth-string defensive players and don't make a big deal out of it.
4: All right, I agree with that. I okay. thought he was going down the path
5: of everybody should believe in Kenny Pickett after what we saw over the weekend. No, and he also said the Bears suck, but we'll talk about that later in the Love week. Love it. Bears play Thursday <laughs> night at Seattle. Yes, they do. Okay. So you see,
4: by the way, you saw the, uh, the numbers in terms of the, uh, the three quarterbacks that went out there and played against mm-hmm. Seattle. But as I said, you know, when you have three guys who are vying, it seems, for a job potentially, uh, Mitch Trubisky, Kenny Pickett, and Mason Rudolph all did a pretty good job. When you're talking about four touchdowns, no interceptions, high completions between the three of them, uh, completion percentage, mm-hmm. uh, it looks like it's a team to bet on, but still catching three and a half against Jacksonville.
5: And that lines up a point, by the way. I've uh, I've got my sheet here. I was marking all the line moves yeah. on the preseason games. It's uh, we got sixteen games this week. There are line moves in like thirteen of the sixteen so- games. Of at least a point so far.
4: And I'll say, you know, I I mentioned this on the show. Like, I thought coming into the preseason that the Jags with their quarterback depth chart would be a a relatively solid preseason team to follow, uh, but it has not been the case, right? Right. Hall of Fame game got smoked. They lose and ultimately do not cover against uh, Cleveland. And now we see here, though, I mean, it seems kind of that the market's in that direction. They're laying three and a half against Pittsburgh. For me, it'd be Pittsburgh or pass here, just given what we know about the quarterback competition. Didn't agree
5: more. It's up from two and a half to three and a half. I wasn't sure what was behind that line move, so I haven't bet it yet, but yeah. uh, I, I agree with the Pittsburgher pass. Let's talk about the Colts quickly. Hey, can cause, I ask you really quickly?
4: Uh-huh. I know we've got to get to that, <laughs> but just point out, and this is in the newsletter today, uh, so preseason totals, because we talked about how high, or excuse me, the uh, totals, 14-3. and three. How about this nugget from Adam Burke really quickly? Consensus, highest total in week one was 39. Week two of the preseason, 11 totals in the 40s. Yeah, and I that put Jacksonville this- game's one of them.
5: I'll put this in my point spread weekly column too. So last week the average opening total was thirty-three and a half. <laughs> this week the average opening total is forty-one. Yep.
4: That's pretty uh, seven
5: and a half point adjustment on the opening total. Th- that's a that's a big move. It's Colts uh, Colts Lions total is forty one. Lions, um, I think now one and a half for two point favorites, and the Colts might have opened uh a one point favorite at some spots. In this game, these lines move quickly, so uh, you got to catch the openers in a hurry. Uh, I watched Matt Ryan last night in that Colts Bills game. I thought he looked okay. The one thing I, I took away that really bothered me: he's about as mobile as a mannequin. Yes, he's just. Uh, you, I think you said yesterday too stiff, and all I was. He, he made a couple nice throws. He could still throw the ball. He's good zip on the ball, but his lack of mobility is going to be a problem. I think the fortunate thing is he's behind an elite offensive line. I would still call it. Uh, I don't know if it's top five, but it's a top ten offensive line in the NFL. I have my concerns. Well, everybody's got concerns about their offensive line. Seriously, Colts are in a lot better shape than most teams. Uh,
4: And I I will say this as the line has moved toward the Detroit Lions, uh, the last note on it, which is, if our boy slinging Sammy Ellinger is going to play a majority of these games, (laughs) looked really good against the Buffalo Bills. 10 of 11, 88 yards, two touchdowns. uh, And, of course, showing off the athleticism, too. Sam Ellinger looks like – Probably a successful preseason quarterback.
5: I, I think so. Yeah, I think he's better on quarterback in the preseason. Nick Foles got hit and fumbled. Oh, yeah. Bills returned it for a touchdown. Sam Ellinger came in. He looked a lot better. I thought he looked. You like know the what? Colts. Huh? He reminded me of.
4: He's Sam Ellinger in the Red River rivalry. That's you know right. what I mean? That's the right. guy who was. I was going to say Sammy the Baller, yeah. the guy Sammy who the Bull, ran right. the ball over the Sooners' <laughs>
5: defense. Yeah,
4: and speaking of the Red River rivalry, we go to the Edge Top Forty preseason poll. How about that segue? Checking in at number nine. Well, we already talked about Texas, so it's got to be Oklahoma. The Sooners coming in as our ninth ranked team in the Edge preseason Top Forty. Uh, before I say it, because at the risk of you know, ranking them fifth. And I just don't remember feels like nine might be a little high for Oklahoma, but regardless, there are things to like about the Sooners who are coming in under Brent Venables in his first season as head coach. They bring in Dylan Gabriel, former UCF quarterback and his offensive coordinator from his first season with the Knights is going to lead the offense. So that's a pretty good thing for the mm-hmm. Sooners. They get five guys on offense and five guys on defense. So there's not a lot of returning production, but I'll say this, Matt on defense. I have a lot of faith that a guy like Venables is going to be able to maximize the talent on that end of the ball. So when we look at the Sooners team, the favorite to win the Big 12, I think there's a lot of questions, but there's a lot of things to like about them, and I would say, well, I wouldn't bet them the rightful favorite to win the Big 12.
5: Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I guess you could say the rightful favorite, but I'm not sure they're going to win the Big 12. I like Baylor. I still like Texas. Uh, I've got Oklahoma in my power ratings, number 18. So somebody's That's a lot right. higher in Oklahoma than I am. We're going to have Chris DeBear-Falica on the next I'm going to have him number three. You do?
4: No, I'm just saying. Like, I was, okay, I had him at eight, so okay. actually a spot higher than here. So, yeah, I've, got
5: eight, I've got 18 team for the Sooners. I, I have a lot of questions about Brent Venables as a head coach. Uh, he's he's a volatile personality. He's never done this before. He didn't want to be a head coach for a long time for a reason. He kind of got forced into this Oklahoma job because the program was in such a mess. Bob Stoops called him back, and I think he was at a point where he's he was ready to leave Clemson. He's defensive coordinator. He's going to do a much better job with that Oklahoma defense than we've seen in recent years. Uh, I think the, the offense is probably going to be okay with Dylan Gabriel, a quarterback, and he just doesn't have the same type of dynamic playmakers around him that Oklahoma's had on that offense in recent years. But when I look at the schedule, I see a lot of coin flip type games. We're going to talk about this with the Bear uh, next segment. The win totals nine and a half. I played this under uh, partly because of Venables, a new quarterback, and also because of the schedule. And that week three game... September seventeenth at Nebraska is going to be a tricky one. Uh, don't take for granted that the Sooners can beat Kansas State at home. The following week, you got TCU, Texas, uh, Iowa State, Baylor, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. It uh, doesn't look like the toughest schedule in the world, but I could see Oklahoma going eight and four, uh, nine and three. No question about it. I think nine and three would still be a pretty good season. Last season, with Lincoln Riley calling the plays and Caleb Williams at quarterback. Oklahoma won six games by seven points or fewer. They won all the close games. And uh, I think that's what people tend to forget is uh, Oklahoma was not too far away from a disappointing season a year ago, and that was with Lincoln Riley. I would agree, and I, I actually
4: think that whole four-game stretch that you're kind of referencing there, at Nebraska, back home against Kansas State, on the road against the TCU team returning a bunch of talent and getting uh, Sunny Dykes there, and then a neutral state game against Texas, like that's a really tough four-game stretch for a team that's changing mm-hmm. a lot of things.
5: Would you be surprised if Oklahoma went 2-2 two and two in those four games? Oh, I don't no. think so at all, right,
4: right? right? No, not at all. And then, I mean – a lot of people think Lance Leopold's got things going in a positive direction to Kansas, uh, falling into that trap after taking on Texas at a neutral site. Who knows? Maybe not covering. Oh, losing. Who knows?
5: Right. Hey, football's crazy. But you got to play Baylor at West Virginia, Oki State at yep. Texas Tech. Big 12's uh, pretty tough from top to bottom. Even Kansas is a little bit better. Don't forget the Jayhawks were 31-point underdogs in that win at Texas. Yep, it happens football, year. man. Yeah. The ball bounces in mysterious
4: ways. All right, let's take our break. When we come back, as you mentioned it, Chris, the Bear Felica over at ESPN College Game Day. And, of course, co-host of Stanford and Steve and the Bear podcast going to join us, get his thoughts on where we have Oklahoma. If he agrees with the sentiment that uh, maybe they're a top-ten team or maybe they're a team to look to play against as the season gets going. And speaking of college football, can't stress it enough. If you're watching, you see it on the screen. College football, Betty Guy, check it out now at bevisan.com.
0: This is The Edge on VSN, the sports betting network.
4: Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vcin.com. Check out the current betting splits data. You want to know where the money and bets are moving every single game? Betting splits page. Updated every 10 minutes so you can see changes in all the action. Find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action but future events as well. Betting splits, another way vcin's here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vcin.com. Matt Eumanns, yep. Jonathan Von Tobel. Here with you, Efforting one Chris Felica, who joined us momentarily, of course, talk a little bit of college football. Um, before we get to Chris, Matt, though, we unveiled for those who weren't with us earlier our Ed's preseason top 40 poll, recent team, the Oklahoma Sooners. I'm about to say Oklahoma City. I've got an NBA in the brand. I started the NBA guide. Sorry, I apologize. But the Sooners check in as a top 10 team, maybe a little high. And I was, so I looked over some of the numbers that we had. Uh, Adam Burke and myself both had the Sooners eight, Paul had mm. them 11, mm. and you had them 17. 18. Or 18, excuse 18. me. Sorry, 18. What wow. a
5: wide variety of opinions there. Yeah, there are. But also, uh, I think we're a little bit high on Texas, Tennessee. Mm. We'll see what the Bear thinks. And uh, he's going to join us now, Chris the Bear Felica from ESPN, as we break down and count down the Edge preseason college football top 40. And JVT, tell the Bear where we are today. Yeah, we are
4: inside the top 10, and the eighth ranked team for us today, Chris, is uh, Oklahoma. Um, we have a wide variety of opinions, most of us pretty high here, but Matt, pretty low on where Oklahoma and I, assume, excuse me, I misspoke, not eight, number nine. Uh, Oklahoma's the ninth best team in the country. Your thoughts, too high, too low?
8: I, I think that might be a little bit too high. I think I am uh, more along the, the side of Matt here in terms of Oklahoma. Uh, sure, to, should the Sooners be favored to win the Big 12? Yeah, they probably should be based on uh, reputation and what we expect from uh, this program, based on how they've recruited and such. But I think there are enough questions uh, with, with Oklahoma and and the Big Twelve in general. I, I think you could you could say, give me Oklahoma, Texas, uh, Oklahoma State, Baylor, Kansas State, Iowa State, and, and and put all of those teams in a hat and any two of them, or maybe TCU this one because if you put any of those teams in a hat and grab two of them out, and I wouldn't be surprised by any Big 12 championship game combination. So I'm I'm not as high on Oklahoma as a lot of people this year.
5: Sooners won uh, six games by seven points or fewer, Bear. We've uh, talked about this. They won a lot of close games last year, and that was with Lincoln Riley at quarterback, Zach Coach, and Caleb Williams at quarterback. Uh, how do you think Brent Venables is going to fare in his first uh, uh, experience here as a head coach? And he's also got a new quarterback in Dylan Gabriel. So, what are your expectations for Venables and Gabriel?
8: Yeah, and, and that number was no team in the country won more close games at Oklahoma last year. Mm-hmm. So, so I think you know, the, the first thing that pops into my mind, and I'm sure yours as well, is like there's no way that that's going to be sustainable for a second straight year. But I don't have as much worrying in terms of Dylan Gabriel playing well. Uh, I think bringing in Jeff Limby, someone he's familiar with, I think that relationship going back to UCF is good. And, and I've seen Brent uh, comment uh, on just how the fact that they've worked together has been a plus. But it, is that, it, can he stay healthy? Can he the play at, at the Power Five, Big 12 level, at the level that he performed at uh, at UCF? I mean, I think that's a. a a fair question to ask, and the and the problem as well with 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 Brendan, it, it, it's a first time head coach. You have no idea how he's going to respond to in game uh, decisions to go for it, to punt, uh, when to do certain things. So he's going to be learning on the fly. And This is not a uh, a position, not 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 a, not a place that you really want to be learning on the fly uh, with, with the pressure. That I think that's going to. Beyond him here, coming off of the expectation. But I, I think this fan base is almost more excited and I don't want to say angry or cares about, but I think they're still preoccupied with like Lincoln Riley and everything. The fact that he's like <laughs> let them than they are with, with, with Brent Venables. And like, I don't know if that's going to allow a little bit more of a leash or if, but if he doesn't fare well, then, then it's all going to completely blow up. But I, I, I have some questions as to how well he's going to uh, New you know, on some of the decision-making just because I, I think it's a fair, obvious question to ask, and not not everybody steps into their first-time coaching position right away and, and
5: succeeds. Yeah, and Venables didn't really want to be a head coach for a long time, and I think there's a reason for that. Also, if you know much about Venables, he's got a very volatile personality, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he ha- handles this job. I've got a friend who's a diehard Oklahoma fan. And he's like a scorned lover over the uh, Lincoln Riley departure.
6: (laughs) He hates Lincoln Riley,
5: despises the guy. Really, and Brent Venables is you know he's part of the family, part of the Sooner family from the uh, Stoops tree. So what's a Sooner? Always a Sooner. But you got to win. Leaves for a better job. Uh, They're going to turn on him if you don't win. (laughs) Uh, Bear, yesterday, Gil Alexander asked me uh, for you know three of my three or four of my favorite win totals. I think Oklahoma's one of my favorites, under nine and a half. I think that's one of yours as well. Is that one of your favorite win totals? Yeah. And how many did you play?
8: Yeah, it, 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 it is. And they back just the personnel for the Sooners. I, I think there are genuine reasons to be concerned about them offensively because outside of Marvin Mims, they don't return a whole lot. Their offensive line really struggled last year. It was not the typical OU Joe Moore offensive line award-winning type unit with, with Big Ba. Uh, as the online line coach, they lost some guys. Marvin Bims is really the only skill guy they got back. Brought in a bunch of guys from the portal on defense. Like I think there are a, a lot more questions, I think, right now than typically we've seen with Oklahoma. But I actually found in Oklahoma, I played Oklahoma under 9.5 a, a while back, and I actually found an 8.5 on the series as well. So I bought back some, thinking that 9 could be a very logical landing spot for Oklahoma. Uh, this season, 9-3. and three. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, South Florida, under 4.5, I thought was a, a really good bet. I know uh, Jeff Scott has made some comments about he thinks this is a year that they can compete with Baylor quarterback Gary uh, Bahanan coming in to, to lead the offense there. But last year, they only wins camp against Florida A&M and Keppel, who was the worst team in the American. And, and their schedule this year, uh, I think their non-conference schedule is like Florida... Ole Miss and Louisville or something like that. It's like these are not games that you need on your schedule as an non-conference opponent to be able to win five games. I mean, there's a chance if you run down their 8 sleep that they might not win a road game. So I don't know where five wins are coming from with the Bulls. Uh, I'm sure Sean King will remind me about it if <laughs> does get to five wins. But I'm under, four, I'm under four and a half on South Florida, and I'm under three and a half with Georgia Tech as well. I mean, their non-conference schedule again. You you got, you got, you got Clemson. You got Ole Miss. You got UCF. uh, You got the rest of the ACC. Like, it's a a schedule that it looks like it may is made for uh, basically making a coaching change. I know Jeff Collins kind of revamped his coaching staff and made a bunch of changes, I I just don't know if the Jackets can can get to four wins outside of the game against Duke. uh, I don't know where they're winning an ACC game, so uh, I, I like betting unders. Uh, in, in, the, in the preseason, just because everybody is so high on the team early on, and uh, you, you might get a little edge here and there, uh, just blindly betting some unders.
4: Chris Felica with us. So, Chris, uh, let's go to the SEC really quickly because uh, one of the teams we unveiled a couple of days ago, Tennessee, uh, seems to be a pretty polarizing squad because they seem they have a high ceiling, I would think, on offense. Uh, but defense wasn't great last year. Offensive line wasn't great last year. What do you make of what the volunteers are going to be this season? Because if you talk to a lot of people, it seems there's a wide variety of opinions on what the volunteers could be this year. Yeah,
8: they, they, they definitely are a lightning rod type of team. And, it, 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 they're interesting to me because last year I was really down on Tennessee. I did not think that they were going to be very good, and they really surprised me. And they really exceeded a lot of uh, a lot of expectations this year with with, with Hooker coming in after that pit loss, and and they kind of just salvaged things offensively. But you, know, you talk about uh, uh, that game against Pitt early on, going to on the road will will be an interesting direction to see which way their season heads if they can pull a. Pull an upset there. There's a good chance it could be 4-0 uh, going to LSU. Uh, I am on the side of uh, – I, 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 I always err on the side of I don't want to overreact to what we saw last year because I feel I initially was right last year about their personnel. I think defensively they still have a long way to go. They're not beating Alabama. They're not winning at Georgia. I could see them losing at LSU. I can see the game at South Carolina being uh, much more difficult this year after they blew out the Gamecocks in in Knoxville last year. It, it feels like this is a, a nine and three ceiling type of game because you're, you're going to be a big a big dog into in SEC games. They got no shot. You'll probably be around uh, maybe about five or a six point dog at Pitt, and there might be the, the game at L.C. You might be a dog as well. So I, I think nine and three is a ceiling for Tennessee, and they should be happy if that's the case. But but at the same time, I'm sure they won't be. I'm sure they're thinking bigger and better things.
4: Chris Felica. Chris, thank you very much for the time. Really appreciate it. And I'll forgive you for your love of the fish sandwich over at White Castle.
8: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I will say this. The chicken said the chicken slider. Actually, I had it last night. Chicken slider was better than the fish sandwich. It is. The chicken with cheese
5: sandwich at White Castle.
4: Good to talk to you, man. Thank you. Thanks, Bear. Take care, guys. All right, we'll take our break here. We'll come back. A little bit of baseball, including what a (laughs) meltdown from the Angels, the bullpen, the defense, everything last night.
7: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: This is The Edge on vSEN, the sports betting network.
4: Welcome back. Best bets brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches. Zen Nicotine Pouches are a fresher, simpler way to enjoy nicotine that have helped millions of people achieve lasting change by offering smoke-free and spit-free satisfaction. Zen understands there isn't one right time to make a change. Everyone's timeline's a little different. Everyone's on their own journey. But whenever you feel like you're ready to take that first step toward change, Zen's gonna be there for you. Check out Zen Nicotine Pouches at, at zyn.com, the zyn.com warning product contains nicotine, and nicotine is an addictive chemical. All right, Matt, I give you the floor. The Let's BMW
5: Championship, it. huh? What's going on? Best bets off uh, last week's win with Willie Z. Finally I uh, got there. Maybe Cameron Young can win for the first time on the PGA Tour. Let's hope so. His game translates to basically every course, and i like him to compete again this week at the BMW in Delaware. That's at the Wilmington Country Club. And uh, this is really kind of a, a target golf exhibition this week that um, – I think the strongest iron players have a little bit of an advantage. Obviously, you have to be a really good putter, too, uh, but that's true most weeks. John Rahm, he opened this season red hot in Maui in the Tournament of Champions when he went, I think, 33 under and lost by Cameron Smith to a stroke by a stroke. He's had a disappointing season. He's only won once since then, but I I think he started to recapture his uh, top form a little bit. Last week, he tied for fifth in Memphis. He led the field and greens and regulation and scrambling. I think John rom has got a chance to finish strong after he started strong this season. I like him at 14-1. to 1. That's the DraftKings number uh, right now. Tony Finau's been red hot with the putter. He made an adjustment on the greens, and it's paid off. Finau looks like a different player. He tied with Rom for fifth a week ago. He's at 17-1. I like Colin Morikawa a lot this week. He's been hot and cold. He's been quiet most of the year, but this is his type of golf course. Where he's going to be pen hunting, and I think uh, you're going to see Morikawa on the leaderboard this weekend. At least I hope so. He's at twenty three to one, and uh, Cameron Young at twenty eight to one. So those are uh, my four plays for the BMW. Catch Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds on the long shots, which I believe they're going to tape after our show today with uh, special guest Rufus Peabody. Nice, like it. Anything else to add for preseason week two? Yes, glad you asked. Uh, I am going to play the Dolphins, plus two against the Raiders. And I think uh, Mike McDaniel, the new coach of uh, the Dolphins, is probably going to unveil Tua and Tyreek Hill this week. Wow. You know, it may not be for long, but there's a lot of excitement in South Florida about this Dolphins team. Oh, there is. and uh going
4: to be disappointed.
5: Well, they might end up disappointed, but I don't really care about that as long as they win this second preseason <laughs> game. I took the Dolphins plus two against the Raiders here. Uh, Skyler Thompson played the entire way at quarterback for the Dolphins in that two point win at Tampa Bay a week ago. So even if Tua doesn't play a lot in this game, I like what Skyler Thompson can do in this Miami offense. And, uh, he passed for over 200 yards and led the way in that 26 24 win. So if you got Tua, Tyreek Hill out there, Skyler Thompson, I feel like the Dolphins are going to be, uh, um, not necessarily, uh, hellbent on winning, but I, I think they're going to be out there to, uh, Show, show out and uh, play well this week and uh, probably play well enough to win. The Raiders, on the other hand, they've already played two preseason games. And I think when you have a four-game preseason, there might be a tendency for the coach to say, you know, this is one we can kind of take off. And the Raiders have won and covered their first two games. I think Josh McDaniels has accomplished what he wanted to with Jarrett Stidham, uh, solidifying himself as the number two quarterback. I think the Raiders are going to play mostly backups here. McDaniels might surprise me and throw Derek Carr and Devontae Adams out there, but I don't think it's going to happen in Miami this week. McDaniels very guarded about everything he says about Carr and Adams and when those guys are going to play. Darren Waller, I don't think you can uh, expect to see him. You might not see him in the entire preseason. What I think the Raiders are going to do They've got joint practices with the Patriots the following week. And I think that's when McDaniels wants to ramp things up with Carr and Adams and get them out there on the field and maybe play in that final preseason game against the Patriots at Allegiant Mm -hmm. Stadium. Because after that game, you got more than two weeks off before your season opener in week one. Mm -hmm. I think it makes more sense to play those guys in the final preseason game uh, with more than a two-week layoff until your season opener to try to keep those guys a little bit sharp. So I think this game... Is a little more, more important for the Dolphins in terms of playing starters. Uh, so I played them at plus two against the Raiders. Chargers minus three over the Cowboys. Whether or not Justin Herbert plays, Chase Daniel can win you a game at quarterback. And uh, the Cowboys, they got to be a bet against team in the preseason. Mike McCarthy, 0 5 straight up, and ATS in the last two preseasons. And the Cowboys, 17 penalties for 129 yards last week. Continued to be a. Sloppy, undisciplined team, and uh, I think you have to bet against them here, considering their their uh, disappointments in Dallas and uh, the recent preseasons. And it doesn't really matter to me if Dak Prescott plays, because if he does, it's going to be very little. And the Cowboys' receiving core is thin, so the Cowboys can't really uh, can't really put the front line guys out there. Anyway, so I think they're kind of taking this preseason off again for the second year in a row. Dolphins plus two, Chargers minus three. And I might play some more, but all these numbers have been on the move. And Mitch Moss asked me this morning, is it an overreaction on the totals in the NFL? I think so. And I think it might be. To go from an opening average of 33.5 a week ago to 41 this week, you're going to see a lot more unders. I just got to figure out, you got to get more information about who's going to play, and then I'll probably look to play some unders this week.
4: All right, I like
5: it. To baseball, a couple of things that we should note from Yankees, last night. Yankees um, stink.
4: Uh, yes, they do. Uh, everything is falling apart for the New York Yankees. After getting shut down by Michael Wacca, uh, the Yankees, and shut out. Uh, the Yankees go out and they get smoked again. How about this? Uh, Beaks gets the start, but it's pretty much just two innings and an opener. And the rest of the pen and staff for the Tampa Bay Rays go nine, seven hits, nothing in terms of runs, strikeout 12, and beat the Yankees four to nothing yesterday. Mm -hmm. Oh boy.
5: Well, we talked about it. Yankees were off that shutout loss at Boston on uh, Sunday night. They come home, open a series in the Bronx against the Rays. Garrett Cole on the mound and uh, big favorites, and they fall flat. They flop. Minus 235, four nothing loss. And I don't know what's happened to the Yankees' offense here. I mean, they're missing Giancarlo Stanton. That's a pretty big part of it, right? Yeah, but I'll tell you what. I'm not going to make excuses uh, for the Yankees. How many quality hitters do they have in the lineup? A lot. And you can't score against the Rays? You can't score against the Red Sox because Stanton's out? Yeah, I mean, I would think... The Dodgers have had injuries uh, pretty much all season. The Dodgers have... uh, in their last 24 wins, they're 23-1 and 1 on the run line. They, they continue to score runs and win games, and you don't have to make excuses for the Dodgers. So I'm not going to make excuses for the Yankees here. No, I would agree. I, to, a, to an extent, I would agree.
4: And when you have guys like Andrew Benintendi who come over the trade deadline and really haven't been insanely impactful for this team right again yesterday, over 3 for Benintendi. You know, Benintendi. I'm
5: not really sure what people expected from Benintendi. Was he lighting the world on fire for the Royals? I mean, I think uh, – I don't know. Is this season long?
4: I think he's hitting like 302. I mean, he's, he's a high hit, average
5: guy. He's hitting three oh two, but he's yeah. only been there a week and a half.
4: Yeah, so we'll see if that's going to be the case for him. But I, to your point, there are this is a lineup that should be better than what it is showing at this point, regardless of Giancarlo Stanton's presence, but he is a really big part of it. So if he comes back and they're still struggling, big picture-wise, right. then I'd start to freak out. And also, I mean, the other part about this is we've talked about the pitching a lot, and a lot of it focuses on the uh, starting staff. Uh, their bullpen is starting to show a few oh, cracks. There's
5: no doubt Closer about it. Closer by
4: committee at this point right now, right? Some of the middle relief hasn't been working out. We saw that yesterday, too, so... I can understand some of the fear. That's why Santos has been in such a bad mood the last couple of days.
5: Well, he's got other things to be ticked off about, too. No, oh, not okay. just the Yankees. So the it's a like combination that? of things. JBT, it's always a combination of uh, things.
4: A couple of more, a couple of other results. First off, but
5: you're right about the Yankees bullpen. Yep. I didn't want to follow that. The Yankees bullpen's been a wreck lately, and that was a strong suit on that team. The pitching staff as a whole was—it uh, seemed bulletproof for the first half of the season. Now, you, like you said, you're starting to see a lot of cracks. Garrett Cole was okay in his start last night. The bullpen was disappointing. How again.
4: about uh, these numbers? You want, you want this? Twenty-three and two-thirds innings, a two twenty-eight ERA, thirty-one strikeouts to five walks. That's pretty good for a pitcher over the course of four starts.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, the team that he's pitching for is one and three. Otani did it again yesterday, and the Angels still can't do anything. Six innings yesterday against Seattle, gives up seven hits and two in runs, gets taken deep once, uh, but it is the defense and the pitching that, yet again, just falls apart for the Angels, and they end up losing that game to Seattle. So, Otani, again, last three starts at home, 0 for and uh, he has been priced to the moon in the first two. Last night, not so much. Closes a small underdog. Yeah, That's
5: more or less a pick'em game last night. But he was a big favorite in the other two. But it's not Otani's fault. He's pitched well in those games. The Angels, like you said, the bullpen breaks down offense doesn't show up. And last night, the defense was a complete debacle. And
4: I'll, I'll keep bringing this up, man. The two results uh, that are very much worth monitoring. First off, San Diego goes on the road. Alcantara uh, Alcantara at home, uh, and underdog. They get it done, blank them, They win 3 nothing. And um, yet again, this is something that is worth tracking. Regularly, the Blue Jays, $1.60 favorites. What happened yesterday? 7-3 win for the Baltimore Orioles. They're over $2.20 favorite today. Manoa's on the Hill, but Toronto has been struggling.
5: Well, you and I talked about this yesterday. We uh, we said you got to bet the Mar- you got to bet the Marlins or pass in the home underdog role against the Padres, and you got to bet the Orioles or pass in that game in Toronto. Both those underdogs came through. Uh, Ralph Michaels tweeted this out. I want to mention it quickly since Ju- the middle of July, the Dodgers are twenty three and four, and they're twenty three wins. They are twenty two and one on the run line. Dodgers have all sorts of pitching injuries, all sorts of offensive problems, and they continue to win. You don't have to make excuses for the Dodgers.
4: I'm not making excuses. You're just pointing out facts. The Yankees missing Giancarlo Carlos, arguably their best hitter. All right, we're all done. What about Aaron Judge? (laughs) (laughs) VSEN.com. Sign up for the College Football Betting Guy. Come on, we put a lot of work into it, and it's freaking awesome. We'll see you tomorrow.